Hi, Journey. How you doing? Great to see every single one of you, especially if you're a guest. We're really, really honored to have you here today. Uh, did you notice a different kind of band configuration today? Hey, you like that? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Very, very cool. And uh, there's great purpose behind it. A few weeks ago, Brandon and Alex, our worship leaders, came to me and they said, hey, we, we've kind of had an epiphany. You know, the dozens and dozens of people who lead worship in our band, there, there are dozens and dozens of them, uh, you know, several people deep at each instrument. Often there's, you know, eight, 10, sometimes 12 people up here on this stage. So all those people, on a week when they lead on the weekend, they're giving us volunteering about 20 hours or so, which is a lot, right? And it isn't like this is the only thing they're doing. They have lives and family and work and everything else they do. Lots of these guys serve other places across the life of our church as well. And uh, when you count up the midweek rehearsal that they do several hours, when you count up the time that they practice just by themselves learning new songs and so, and then it's about 12 hours on a weekend uh, that these guys lead. They get here at 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. They leave at 8 p.m. Saturday night when we're all done. They show back up at 7 o'clock on Sunday morning. They'll be here till you know, almost 1 o'clock today. Uh, and it's a lot. And so Brandon and Alex said, we feel strongly that we'd like to rest uh, much of our band this Christmas season. Could we just give them essentially a month off so that they can rest, rejuvenate, pour into their family, and uh, really enjoy the Christmas season. Now there are a bunch of people who are working really hard on the Christmas at the Commons stuff, our Christmas Eve worship experiences, and so musicians, and they're working really hard, but they'll rest in January after all that. But for now, we're resting a bunch of our band. So this is really, really purposeful. This isn't just like, oh, let's randomly change up the music and do kind of an unplugged deal. This is letting these fantastic worship leaders who help us uh, enter into the presence of God week in and week out. It's letting them rejuvenate their souls. So when you see this, know that that's what's behind it, would you? And then appreciate it at a new level uh, and appreciate Brandon and Alex for caring about their team really, really well. Really proud of those guys for bringing that forward. So good job, guys. Did you have a great Thanksgiving? Yeah, wasn't it great? The Hopkins family Thanksgiving just felt a little off, as you would expect, with Dana being gone. And so she tells me that she made the most uh, with our Congolese daughters, made the most of their day over there in Kinshasa. They bought some uh, rotisserie chicken from the grocery store over there. Dana hauled over some instant mashed sweet potatoes, which uh, there's Jada enjoying some of those. I, I know this is a little coarse, but that looks like the contents of a baby's diaper to me. Instant mashed sweet potatoes right there, and then they opened up some cans of South African corn uh, and celebrated Thanksgiving that way. The rest of us who were left here, we were over in Billings, and man, did we ever feast uh, with my parents and my sister over there in what we like to call Brown Town. Don't tell Billings people we call Brown Town, but it was nice. Part of our Thanksgiving tradition, lots of you know this, is to hunt elk always the day after Thanksgiving. Our deal is we want to be as absolute far away from the shopping establishments as possible. So we head out to the hills to chase it. I was at the gym yesterday morning and uh, I had my earphones in and there were a couple of gals who were on these machines near me and I pulled an ear out so that I could totally eavesdrop on what they were saying because they were talking about Joanne Fabrics on Friday morning at 11 o'clock. 
And, and they literally were talking about old women nearly beating each other with what are they call bolts of fabric fighting over them. And I was like, you, I, I, I mean, I just wanted to puke, right? I mean, like, really? This is what Christmas has turned into. Like, good heavens. So we, we want to be a long way from all of that. So we head out to the hills to chase elk with some dear, dear friends of ours who really graciously host our hunting expeditions. This year, our oldest son, Silas, he asked me if I would ask our hosts if we could invite Coach Laz. Coach Laz is the head wrestling coach at Bozeman High along with us because all hunting season long, Silas has been hearing Coach Laz talk about every weekend he trudges out, hikes great distances into the mountains and comes home empty-handed. And so he said, Dad, maybe we could help Coach Laz get an elk at our place because the place we get to go is pretty amazing. God always seems to smile down on us and lets us at least have a chance at a shot. So we asked if Coach Laz could come, and our host said, yeah, certainly bring him along. So now there's great pressure on us, right? Like we have to deliver now because Silas hasn't just invited him. He's sort of built this place up right? Like pictures of hundreds of elk running over the top of us, and I'm starting to get real, real nervous about all this. So I start doing what I know to do, and that's talk to God about this little elk hunt. We're going to take Coach Laz on. God, if you would please just let Coach Laz get a shot at an elk, right? If we could just see elk, he can get a shot, and then if he misses, that's his deal, you know, but we delivered the elk, right? And uh, my view on this, and you might disagree, but my view on uh, praying for hunting success is it's a lot like cheating, right? Invoking God in your hunting efforts, you know? It's kind of like praying for your sports team to win. You know, like maybe the Grizzlies do that, but we don't do that. That's cheating, right? (laughs) Kidding. So I prayed about this, and... To make a long story even longer, early Friday morning, uh, we all head out. We start walking up the hill toward the place where I pray the elk are. And I don't know if you were up early on Friday morning, but it was just a spectacular day, right? It was particularly spectacular where we were because the mall and all the Black Friday mayhem was like 30 miles away. Nowhere near us, but it was this crisp, still, unbelievable morning. I'm leading a line, Coach Laz is behind me, Silas is behind him, Preston, one of our other sons, is behind him, and we're working up this ridge. My dad and Coach Laz's father-in-law are beating the bushes up another draw, and with every single step I'm taking, I'm praying, Lord, please let the elk be in here. Just a shot for Coach Laz, please. And we get to the spot where the elk are supposed to be, where we think they are, and they're not anywhere. We don't see them, and, and I'm like, oh, geez, now I'm really sort of panicking, ratcheting up the prayers. Please, Lord, all of a sudden we're looking through our binoculars and Coach Laz said, I got them. There they are. I was like, yes, there they are. And they were a long, long way away when we first spotted them. And they were all there, 250 or better of them there. And I'm going to spare you all the minute details. But suffice it to say that within a handful of minutes of spotting them, the herd split. Half of them or better went that way, but we had a hundred or so running straight at us. And they started out at probably seven or 800 yards and then here and here they came and here they came and we just sat there and we just sat there and we just sat there and they're getting closer and closer and like, Lord, please let them keep coming. Please let them keep coming. And all of a sudden, Coach Laz squeezed off a shot and here's how that turned out for Coach Laz. There he is right there. Yeah, just a... Great, yeah, 
Way to go. A lot of grins in that picture right there. And the way I sort of frame this is that we got to be the recipients on Friday of the remarkable grace of God, right? The remarkable grace of God through this hunt that none of us who were there and got to experience it will ever, ever forget. And uh, that had nothing to do with the sermon, but uh, I wanted to tell you because it was cool and I wanted to offend you who hate hunting and, (laughs) kidding. And you all know really, really well that this weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, marks the cultural shift from the fall season to the Christmas season, right? There are people in our world who cheat that a little, don't they? But Thanksgiving really is the official indicator that things like Christmas music and Christmas lights and inflatable Frosty the Snowman in your front yard and Christmas trees going up in your living room are acceptable. Thanksgiving is the official indicator that those things are acceptable. If you play Christmas music before Thanksgiving, that's illegal. And so sort of with the culture, we as a church family are going to turn the page and move into a season of really preparing our hearts for Christmas, preparing our hearts for Jesus' arrival, his birth on that very first Christmas through this message series that we call Vacancy. To get us started down the path of prepping our hearts for Jesus' arrival, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever held what Henry Cloud calls incompatible wishes in your head or in your heart? Have you ever held incompatible wishes in your head or in your heart? Have you ever wanted two things that were or are completely incompatible in your head or in your heart? For example, you want to eat all the pumpkin pie and you still want to fit into your skinny jeans, right? Incompatible wishes. You want to save your money, for example, and... You want to take that spectacular trip around the world. Incompatible wishes. Try this one. You want to call yourself a Christian and you want to hate on my San Francisco 49ers. (laughs) Serious one coming. You want to be the very best student, employee, team member on one hand and you want to spend more time with your friends and family. Incompatible wishes. Wishes. Have you ever held those in your head? or in, Yeah, we all have, haven't we? We all have. It's just how life goes. Sometimes, even frequently in this life, we want two or more things that just simply cannot coexist. And we can make those gears grind all day long, but they're never, ever going to mesh up. They're never going to be able to coexist because they're incompatible and they're going to stay incompatible and understand though that part of maturity part of us growing in life and in faith is getting to the place where we can let go of one thing in order to have another thing that's maturity it's immaturity that wants it all all the time having our cake and eating it too all the time is really quite immature But what we also know is that anything that truly matters in life comes at a very, very high price, doesn't it? Winning and succeeding and achieving and victory and mission accomplishment always means that you gave something up for the sake of something else, something better. You set this down so that you could have 
that. And that's true in business, it's true in marriage, it's true in interpersonal relationships. It is especially true in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It is especially true in our spiritual lives. And understand this, a win in our spiritual lives, a win in our relationship with God for every single one of us is Jesus Christ laying hold of our whole heart. That's what a win is for we who follow Jesus. For Jesus to lay hold of our whole heart. We don't just give him part of us and say, okay, Jesus, you can have this much, but I'm kind of going to hold this in reserve over here. Or Jesus, you can have all the rooms in the home of my heart, but you can't have this closet because there's some stuff in there that's kind of embarrassing to me, and so I'm going to keep that door. No. No. A win in our spiritual lives is our whole hearts. Jesus Christ laying hold of our whole heart. But for that to happen, we have to set those incompatible wishes with that reality. We have to set them aside and we set them down. And we say, look, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, the surpassing greatness of Jesus Christ having all of me simply overwhelms every other thing, every other desire, every incompatible wish. They just melt away in light of the desire I have for Jesus Christ to lay hold of all of me. I want him to have all of me. That's a win for us. That's a win. And here's how I think about this. I don't believe for one second that anybody here today or anybody listening to this message or anybody watching this message on the web, I don't believe anybody ever really says, I don't want Jesus to have my whole heart. I think there might be a a very, very, very small number of people in this world who actually consciously declare that they do not want Jesus to have their whole heart. What I do believe, however, is that a great, great number of people, some of us even, hold so many of these incompatible wishes in our heart and in our heads that Jesus is simply then crowded out of our lives because we're holding all these other things. And that causes, in turn, our hearts to be hardened to God's activity, it causes us to not hear what God is saying to us, to not be able to respond to what God is saying to us. It causes some of us to be stuck in our relationship with God because we're just busy chasing after all these other things that are incompatible with Jesus laying hold of our whole heart. We're trying to hold these incompatible wishes, holding on to two things that cannot ever, will not ever coexist. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 13, if you have a text or your smartphone, you could pop that open. Matthew chapter 13, very early in Matthew 13, Jesus teaches through the parable of the sower, it's often called. The parable of the sower is the story of a farmer who's out in his field, he's planting his crop. Not at all like farmers today plant their crops. These days they have lots of big expensive tractors and machinery that do the planting for them, more or less. But this farmer that Jesus tells us about is planting his crop the very old-fashioned way. He's got a bag of seeds slung over one shoulder, and he's throwing this seed out of his bag as he walks up and down through his field. And some of you know the story. As that farmer is hucking the seed out of his bag, some of the seed falls onto a path. Remember this? 
and a path that went through a farmer's field in Jesus' day would have been about as hard as this cement. And so the seed that that farmer's trying to sow lands on that path, and that path is so hard that the seed never even pierces through the hard-packed ground. It just sits right on top, doesn't even have a chance to get below the surface. And what happens to that seed, you know? I'll give you a hint. Yes, birds, that's exactly right. Was it the wings? Did it give it away? Yeah. Birds come, and they're like snack time, courtesy of the farmer, and they eat up that seed. It never even takes root. Other seed, all right, now we're one for one. No seed growing, right, because it's in the bird's stomachs. Other seed that the farmer was sowing got tossed into soil that was really, really shallow, wasn't it? It's like solid rock, an inch underneath that soil. And yeah, the seed managed to sprout up, but then the roots couldn't get down through that rock. And so those plants withered and died in the intensity of the sun. So we still have no crop growing, right? No success yet. Other seed, if you remember the story, got tossed along the thorny bramble, the weeds out along the edges of the field. And yeah, those seeds sprouted as well. Probably wheat we're talking about here. That wheat came up and the thorny bramble choked it off. Killed it. These new tender plants, they're dead. So now, you know, three different areas the seed landed and still nothing's growing. No fruitful crop, nothing we can harvest yet, right? And then Jesus said, some of the seed fell on what Christ calls the fertile soil, and that's right where the farmer wanted it to fall, wasn't it? As a matter of fact, that farmer worked really, really hard to prepare that soil so that it would be perfect, so that when that seed fell in that soil, it would, all the circumstances would be just right for it to take root and grow and Jesus says as a matter of fact it did the seed that fell in the fertile soil it grew up and it produced an incredible crop that exceeded the amount of seed that had been planted by this huge enormous margin so Jesus tells this magnificent story and it was amazing and the crowd there that day they were like whoa whoa that was some story but then afterwards Jesus 12 disciples they came to him and they were like uh, dude I don't know if they called Jesus dude but maybe they said what's up with the parables what are you doing using fiction to talk about kingdom of god principles to all these folks they're not really getting it and a parable by the way it's fiction right it's a made-up story used to teach a kingdom of god principle and jesus uses them all over the place all throughout the new testament and jesus answers the disciples question here's why guys i teach in parables here's why i use fiction here's why i use made-up stories to talk about my kingdom matthew 13 starting in verse 13 that's why i use these parables guys and then he starts talking about all the people who were there that day listening to him for they look the crowds look but they don't really see They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah. So Jesus hearkens back to the Old Testament prophet Isaiah who foretold this. When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of the, here it is right here, this is really, really important. For the hearts of these people are hardened, just like that path that ran right through the farmer's field where the seed fell, almost bounced off, and then the birds swoop in, and it's snack time. The hearts of these people are hardened. 
Their ears cannot hear, they've closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Because frankly what's true about a heart that is this hard is that it needs to be healed. A heart that is that hard only needs Jesus. And then he turns his attention to the disciples and he said, but you guys, my closest friends, my closest followers, blessed are your eyes because you guys get it. They see and your ears because they hear. Way to go, guys, Jesus is saying. You guys get this. Your hearts are not like this. You get it. And I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. They long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. And Jesus frames all that up to say, look, there's all these people, lots of them were there that day listening to Jesus tell the parable of the sower, who are holding all of these incompatible wishes in their hearts. And they're grinding the gears trying to make these things mesh up that are never, ever going to mesh up. And that's causing their hearts to be hard. Causing them not to be able to understand what I'm saying to them. Causing them not to be able to understand what it looks like for me to lay hold of their whole heart. Their hearts are hard. Like cement. And then again, Jesus commends his guys. Way to go. Keep that up. Way to go. No incompatible wishes for you. You're putting them down because you realize the incredible value of me taking hold, laying hold of your whole being, holding nothing in reserve. And Jesus does this really cool thing. He does something through this parable, through that ensuing unpacking of the parable that we're talking about more and more across the life of journey. It's something called the learning circle. I left a really big space on your notes page in the hope that you might draw this out. So you might pull that out and follow along in just a moment. Because you see, the sooner that we all understand and know and live and sort of get our hearts and minds around the learning circle, really the better equipped we're gonna be to grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. This is a fantastic tool. Now some of you I know you've been trafficking in the learning circle for some time. This is, I'm throwing a bone to you, telling you like, look, I, I know I'm not gonna teach the whole learning circle today. So don't throw things at me for leaving things out and skipping things. I'm introducing the learning circle today part of it over the next couple weeks, I'm gonna show you the rest of it. So it's all going to come together. But I just wanna show you the very first part of the learning circle, first couple of parts of the learning circle because of what Jesus does in the parable of the sower and where I want us to park today. So you have all these people, right? Go back in your mind's eye and you have Jesus talking about the parable of the sower, beginning of Matthew chapter 13. What we know is there's thousands of people gathered around. There's so many thousands of people actually that Jesus has to go out into a boat, not to get away from them, but so his voice would be amplified far enough off the surface of the water and the shore so that everybody there can hear him. Some of you have experienced that, right? You've been on the shore of a quiet lake and there's fishermen out and they're just talking to each other in a normal tone of voice and they're like a half a mile away and the acoustics are such that you can hear on the shore have you had this happen you can hear every word they're saying as if they're right next to you but they're like a half a mile out there on the, that's what Jesus is doing right and he's teaching this principle how is the soil of your hearts there's all these people gathered on the shore of the lake and time is passing chronological time this is the very beginning of the learning circle 
right here starts with a line. This is chronological time passing for everybody. Us, the people who were gathered on the shore with Jesus on that day, and time is ticking. Chronological time is passing. It's another day. The sun rose, and the sun's gonna set, and hours are passing, and then all of a sudden, kabam! Here comes Jesus, and he starts talking about the soil of people's hearts. Is the soil of your heart hard, or is the soil of your heart fertile? Which is it? Right, Jesus steps out into that little boat, and Jesus hits them with what we call, this is what this is right here, it is a kairos, Greek word, a kairos moment. When the God of the universe breaks into the otherwise mundane passing of time. And it is a spectacular moment. Bam. God breaks in. And in the parable the sower and in his ensuing follow-up instruction with the disciples, that kairos moment, this moment when God breaks in, is all centered, remember, around this question of how is the soil of your heart? Is the soil of your heart hard or is the soil of your heart fertile? Is it ready for God's truth to take deep root? And this kairos moment that happens for them that I pray is happening for some of us, it signals that God is speaking to us. And anytime God breaks into the mundane passing of time, we've got this incredible opportunity to go, oh my gosh, here is a moment when God is speaking to me and he's gonna tell me something. I have a chance right now to grow in my faith in Jesus Christ. God is showing up, God is speaking, and I am all ears. I wanna hear what God has to say to me. And today he's saying to us, how is the soil of my heart? How is the soil of my heart? And Jesus, we know, has an incredible amount to say about spiritual growth and learning all throughout the New Testament, right? Jesus' first sermon was remarkably short. Mark chapter one, verse 15. This is Jesus' very first sermon. The time promised by God has come. This word time, by the way, is actually this Greek word kairos, This moment when God has broken in, is breaking in, has come at last. It's here right now. Kairos has come, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Jesus is telling us in Mark 1.15 that the greatest opportunity ever afforded to humankind is available, and it's this, that the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God, God acting, God moving, God working, the range of God's effective will is available to every single one of us. Not just a few select people, but it is widely available to every single one of us. And when his kingdom, when his word breaks into our otherwise mundane passing of time, he says, grab on to this. Don't lose sight of this. Don't let go of this. You get to the process of repentance and belief so that you get everything God has for us out of this Kairos moment. And this is where this goes. So time is passing. This is you and I walking through life. Bam, God shows up. How's the soil of your heart? And that sends us into the learning circle. And it works like this. And I'm not gonna draw it all, but I am gonna draw some of it. 
We're going to move through the learning circle over the next few weeks like this. It launches us into this opportunity for us to observe, first of all, and reflect, second of all, on what is God, and these two are really closely tied, on what exactly God's saying to us. Another way to look at this is like this. You add this and you say, this is the side where we repent. And when I say repent, I'm not talking about like the turn or burn, no grace kind of repent. I'm talking about a change of heart that leads to a change of action, which is where we're gonna get to over here, belief. Another way you can say this is what is God saying to me? What's God saying to me? What's he saying to me about the soil of my heart? How is it? Is it hard or is it fertile soil? Is it somewhere in between? What kind of work does the soil of my heart need from God? And then you'll see the learning circle moves us over to here to the belief side and the question is what am I going to do about that. So God speaks, and then we have the opportunity to change our actions, to repent, to say, God, you've changed my heart in such a way that I'm going to live differently. Now, on this day that Jesus lays out the parable of the sower, this was like a probably a big kairos moment for the people, the original hearers. Maybe it's big for some of us gathered here today, but it doesn't always have to be, see. A kairos moment can be, well, can be quite small, and so you, you might have, uh, it, pretend this is this one here, and I'm just gonna draw it in smaller form, passing of time, kairos moment, here's, enter the learning circle, and then we might have some smaller ones here, and then we might have a really big one here, and this is the goal, that we just spend the rest of our lives hearing from God, what is God saying to me, and what am I gonna do about that? And sometimes God's gonna show up almost in like a clap of thunder and smoke and lightning and those sorts of things, big kairos. Other times, God's gonna show up and speak to us in like a whisper. But the point is that God, the sovereign and supreme God of the universe is talking, he's speaking to every single one of us. And the learning circle helps us enter into this process where we hear from him and then we do something about it. We don't just walk away because God is changing our lives right here. And so we start by observing and reflecting. How is the soil of my heart? How is the soil of my heart? Am I holding inside any incompatible wishes that are causing my heart to be hard? Am I holding these incompatible wishes that are preventing him from occupying all of me? Am I stuck in my faith in Jesus Christ because I'm holding tightly to these incompatible wishes? Is your heart hard? Is it like this cement? Is it like the path that Jesus talked about, that seed falling on and the bird swooping in and snacking? Some people say, yeah, I want Jesus to lay hold of my whole heart and I just wanna keep living with my boyfriend. I think it's fine. Some people say, I want Jesus to lay hold of my whole heart and I want to keep sleeping with my girlfriend. 
Some people say, I want Jesus to lay hold of my whole heart and I want to keep this affair going. I don't see anything wrong with it. It's kind of fun, actually. Some people say, I want Jesus to lay hold of my whole heart and I want to do what I want to do with my money. I don't want anybody talking to me about uncommon generosity, Advent conspiracy. I don't want to be generous. I want Jesus to lay hold of my whole heart and I want to not forgive her for what she did to me. It was a terrible thing she did and I'm just going to hold on to it. Some people say, I want Jesus to lay hold of my whole heart and I want to keep drinking alcohol in excess. I don't see anything wrong with it. I'm not hurting anybody. And Jesus says, wait, wait, wait. Wait just a minute. How's the soil observe, reflect on the soil of your heart? Is it hard? Is it soft? Is it ready? Is the soil of your heart ready for Jesus to lay hold of all of you? The idea of this Christmas prep that we're gonna do around here is that our hearts would have room for Jesus. That there would not be a no vacancy sign hanging above the doorway of our heart because our hearts are soft, malleable, fertile soil ready for the truth of God, ready for Jesus' arrival. I don't want anybody to miss this. Jesus doesn't want anybody to miss his magnificent arrival this Christmas time. How's the soil of your heart? What's God saying to you about that? Take your stuff and set it aside if you would, and I just invite you to observe and reflect with the Lord. What's God saying to you about the soil of your heart? What's God saying to you about the incompatible wishes? Is your heart ready today for Jesus to lay hold of the whole thing? talked to more than one person through this weekend who came up to me and said, man, God's got some deep, deep plowing work to do on my heart. And maybe that's you. And maybe God's saying to you right now, let me plow that with you. Let me dig that out with you. And yeah, there's probably going to be some pain involved. Setting aside one incompatible wish for the sake of another isn't an easy deal. Some things that are smaller, yeah. That's not so difficult. Other stuff where people and stuff is deeply entwined gets a little gnarly. And God's grace is enough even to help you untangle that mess. 
And some of us, we're like, oh, I, I don't know if I got it in me. I don't know if I can have God plow over that hard ground. And God says, no, no, no. My grace is enough. And, and the reward is unbelievable. A heart that is fully His. No more divided loyalties and no more incompatible wishes. A heart that is fully His. That's what God made us for. That all of our hearts would be fully His. That's a win for a follower of Jesus Christ. A heart that is fully His. And so if God's saying to you today, I got some plow work to do, trust Him. Trust Him. He is worthy of your trust. Let Him at your heart. You'll be so, so glad you did. Oh God, we thank you from the depths of our souls for the work that you're starting to do in all of us. God, thank you so much for speaking into our lives. I pray for all of us that our ears would become more and more attuned to your voice. That we would learn to hear you whether you're speaking through claps of thunder or whether you're speaking to us in a whisper. That we would learn to hear your voice and that we would act on what it is that you're telling us, please. Have your way with us, God. Plow deeply the soil of our hearts so that it will be ready as we celebrate the magnificent arrival of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the one who came to earth because he loved us that much. We celebrate you, Jesus.